Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Ah, 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 welcome to today's episode <laughs> of The Millennial Movie Club Podcast. <laughs> lightning, lightning. Bats <laughs> smashing balls all over the place. I'm Jazz Zapatos, and someone told me recently when I was all dolled up at a wedding that I looked like Jafar's hot daughter. Wow, that's awesome. I would take that as a huge compliment. High compliment. Yeah. I'm going to ride that out for as long as possible. Congratulations. That's great. And my name is Dan Levine, and when I was in seventh grade, I won Best Eyes in my middle school. <laughs> Along with Caitlin Mahoney. In the whole school. In the whole grade. Wow. Who's like pinning middle schoolers against each other with superlatives that early? Like brutal. There was no ill will towards it. No one even really gave a shit. So which was great because I would have just lost if anyone cared. But now you'll always have the title of best eyes. Best seventh grade eyes. And big shout outs to Caitlin Mahoney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Caitlin, my partner in I Crime. <laughs> I Crime. That sounds like a movie we would talk about on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Starring Nicolas Cage. In case you can't tell. Today we're going to be talking vampires and shit. For better or for worse. We've finally done it, you guys. We are talking about a movie that Daniel did not like. Yeah, I feel just as good as everyone else does about it. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen this movie before. And I have to say, I don't want to like be a downer or anything. I just hated it. But I'm not <laughs> going to just shit all over this movie this whole time. I'm going to try to keep an open mind. When it comes to Twilight, you just got to approach it with an open mind, an open heart, open artery. <laughs> but I'm glad that you are finally clued into like a pretty hefty yeah. part of pop culture. I, on the inverse, grew up reading the books religiously oh, as okay, a teenage cool. girl, lady bonering all over it, as we all did. It was just such a young adult hit. Definitely a strong nostalgia tie for me. Sure. I don't think they've aged that badly, but maybe I'm just used to like, I've already accepted the fact that Kristen Stewart is very weird. I know the love triangle starts and then it starts to become like a real soap opera, but... No spoilers, Daniel. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Speaking of spoilers, if you have not ever watched Twilight, which I would have thought was impossible, and yet yet. we have a new inductee Mm -hmm. here tonight, it probably means that you're not a vampire because you haven't lived long enough or been bored enough to watch it, Mm. or maybe you just have better things to do with your time. (laughs) It either means you're a vampire or you didn't want to watch it. simple as that. Not sure why you clicked on this episode in the first place, but I would scroll back, listen to another one, Mrs. Doubtfire, Jurassic Park, go watch Twilight, come back. You'll probably be maybe a little bit mad at us, depending. Well, hopefully, if you do love the movie, I'm sure that there's going to be parts of this where you can hear someone talk about the things that were important to them. And if you hated the movie, I think you're going to get what you came for. And if you watch the movie and you hate it and you're like, fuck you guys for telling me to watch that movie. Silver lining is that then you get to listen to this super fun episode. Exactly. Cool. Shall we set the scene? Yeah, absolutely. The description of this movie reads, High school student Bella Swan, 
always a bit of a misfit, doesn't expect life to change much when she moves from sunny Arizona to rainy Washington State. Then she meets Edward Cullen, a handsome but mysterious teen whose eyes seem to peer directly into her soul. Edward is a vampire whose family does not drink blood, and Bella, far from being frightened, enters into a dangerous romance with her immortal soulmate. Yeah, that's it. Except for the fact that I just don't believe that Kristen Stewart is a misfit in any way, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that because I have many thoughts. Oof, I can't wait. This was a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 72% audience meter, which again, seems right. Makes sense. The movie is obviously based on the book by Stephanie Meyer that came out in 2005, a book that sold 100 million copies. I mean, it was a massive, massive success. They brought on the director, Catherine Hardwick, who directed 13, Lords of Dogtown. So she had a couple movies under her belt, but certainly kind of still a new director. We've got Kristen Stewart as Bella Swan from Into the Wild, Adventureland. She's in the Just One of the Guys music video by Jenny Lewis, which is awesome. Ooh, I like that. I have to look at that. Oh, it's so great. Happiest Season and Spencer. If anyone hasn't seen Happiest Season yet, I, I thought it was pretty great. And then we have Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen. He was in Harry Potter before this. He did Twilight and his career just completely exploded. And then he became kind of an indie movie darling. He made Good Time, which I feel like is one of the best movies in the last like 20 years. The Lighthouse, Tenant, The Devil All the Time, and The Batman most recently. I almost forgot Taylor Lautner is Jacob. Is he okay? This is pretty much his biggest claim to fame. What happened to those kids? Another installment of what happened to those kids? <laughs> he was actually almost replaced in the second movie because they didn't think he was beefy enough and he had to go on like a crazy regimen of like eating 3,000 calories a day and meeting with the trainer and he uh, earned his stripes. Because I only know him as current Taylor Lautner, who's this just like shredded, extremely handsome man. And then I see him all normal looking. Skin and bone. Yeah. <laughs> with like crazy yeah. hair and I was like wow and then I think that pretty much the only other person that you need to know is Anna Kendrick as Jessica Whoa. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not a fan <laughs> that's okay here's why I don't like Anna Kendrick please she's so annoying I don't think she's that good on a personal note my whole time growing up there's like nothing worse for an actor to hear than people being like oh like why aren't you doing this thing like why aren't you doing this thing and something I used to hear all the time was like oh you totally could have played that role that Anna Kendrick played and like done it better than her it just made me like hate her Whoa. <laughs> but not only that like it would be one thing too if like she was just like a really gracious human being but I also have heard several accounts of her being super shitty to fans and like I'm not about that oh fuck Anna Kendrick then and she also like talked shit about this movie so much which I mean granted it's kind of funny one thing that I she did that I think is cool not cool but just I enjoyed was one day she tweeted holy shit just remembered I was in Twilight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess she's she's kind of funny. Well, she was in Up in the Air and she was perfect in that, I think. Then she was in Pitch Perfect and then she was in Drinking Buddies. The only thing I've liked her in is Trolls. Take it or leave it. <laughs> I've, not, I've not seen. <laughs> Sorry. Do okay, it. I will. <laughs> Kristen Stewart was on the set of Adventureland when Hardwick visited her and she had like an informal screen test and that's how she got the role. Then Hardwick, the director, couldn't really find someone who was otherworldly enough to play Edward Cullen. Stephanie Meyer wanted Henry Cavill. By the time they actually shot the movie, he was like a little bit too old looking to be 17, quote unquote. Right. So apparently they had an informal audition for Robert Pattinson with Kristen Stewart. There was just like electricity, love at first sight. And they just gave it to him. And he had a really kind of fraught relationship with this movie up until now. But like he was almost fired. They were like, 
It's like, how does it feel? They kept being like, smile more. Yeah. (laughs) He would basically bring the producers his copy of Twilight and he had highlighted the shit out of it being like, here's all the parts in this book where it says I'm scowling, frowning, kind of a tortured, self-loathing type of character. You know, I'm not going to be this impish wood nymph. Like, (laughs) it's just not my character. I'm already fucking sparkly. Like, I need to do something to counter that. Yes. Did he win that fight then? I don't know. I mean, because he is really broody in that movie. He is very broody. It makes the character a little bit deeper that he struggles so much with his own lack of mortality. You know, he considers himself a monster. There's a lot of self-loathing there, which then creates even more tension between Bella wanting to become a vampire to be with him and him not wanting her to face the same fate as him. So it's like, yeah, he would have to be kind of like a dark broody character. I would totally agree. I think that's a good take. I'm glad that it was the way it was. That's certainly not why I didn't like this movie. I think that worked. (laughs) I just want to talk about how unbelievably successful this movie was. Oh my God. It's insane. It grossed $7 million in ticket sales from the midnight showing alone. (gasps) Shut up. Ah. Which is just crazy. I mean, this movie was made for $37 million. They just wouldn't give Hardwick the budget. So the budget was $37 million. They grossed $35.7 million on opening day. They made back almost their entire budget on the first day that it opened. The opening weekend was the highest ever of a female-directed film. So all this is great. I mean, all the movies all together, they made $3.4 billion worldwide. See what teenage girls can do when we just put our minds together. Harry Potter was the magic of our childhood. And then once we became like angsty, sexually charged teens, it was like Twilight was there to sort of fill that gap. And it fucking took off. With Cedric Diggory leading the charge. Hell yeah. Because it was such a commercial success, it just paved the way. Like people wanted to market to teenage girls. And what you're saying, Jazz, like they realized they have this like massive buying power. So then 2012 is Hunger Games, then Brave, Frozen, I mean, all over the place. It definitely like changed the landscape of the movies that were going to be made and going to be massive successes for a really long time. Big time. Not that I think Twilight sends a great message necessarily to young girls. It certainly appealed to them and me. (laughs) So, And now like watching it as an adult, I'm like, Not to say I wasn't super attracted to this moody, broody, very possessive kind of guy, but like then I grew up and dated him and it like is not as fun as it looks. (laughs) I definitely married a Jacob, even though I grew up team Edward super hard and to the better choice for the long term. Right. But at the time it was just like, oh, the desire to be desired, the odd girl out, the special one, the one who's singled out, who can change the bad boy. That was just like the most alluring thing you could hope to do. Of course. And this all brings it right back to the origin for you, which is Greece. Yes. (gasps) Yes. Literally, yes. One flavity million percent. (laughs) Like it is being the one who can make the bad boy good or just good enough. Maybe it teaches young girls the wrong lessons. It also just teaches young boys the wrong lesson. I feel like a whole generation of boys grew up thinking like that what girls want is like, oh, I'm just too dangerous. You don't want to touch me. Like I can't be fixed. And it's like so toxic and cringy. Tell me your feelings and let's have a game night. You know, (laughs) like I don't need to get on the back of your motorcycle. (laughs) Although like I've have evolved to this place. Bella is kind of like Manic Pixie Girl too. One billion percent. I'm special because I'm clumsy. <laughs> like It was like a cultural phenomenon and so it shaped a lot of our culture and now we get to examine how those young girls fared now that they are all adult women. Well, there's <laughs> endless 
meta commentary about this movie and this book it's crazy that these like these literature and story experts are dedicating so much time to this why did this have the impact that it did we need to figure this out yeah well there are certainly many opinions around the impact and the takeaway of these movies and i've gathered a couple for you here today <laughs> please yes let's read some reviews so starting with larushka ivan zade from the metro uk she writes Horror fans will find little to sink their teeth into, but it'll get tween age hearts fluttering like orgasmic bats. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, yeah, yes. What a confused metaphor. On brand, I guess. Sure, and sure. Tweenage hearts fluttering like orgasmic bats. I feel like that could be like a lyric from a My Chemical Romance song. Oh, you're really throwing My Chemical Romance under the bus there. Sorry, Fall Out Boy. How's that? I don't know. I still think you're flirting with disaster there. Let's Dashboard? go with like a LFO or something. I don't know. The bats brings me to a darker, more emo time. <laughs> LFO was not rapping about bats. They were rapping about Scooby Snacks. Yes. You know, you're keeping it very light. Yeah, right. I just feel like My Name is Rich would say something. It's like, I got your... Got you fluttering like orgasmic bats. Because none of their rhymes really made sense. <laughs> Chinese food and pogo sticks stole my bike and I suck on my dick. Like it was just like a bunch. Of- <laughs> it was like they were privy to the AI, like computer generated shit before anybody else, and it was just like, here's pop culture in the '90s, early 2000s, make a rap, and they were like, it- Shooby Doo Wop and Scooby Snacks. <laughs> I'm directly quoting from the song, by the way. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, Shibidi Wap is is absolutely a line in that song. God, rest in power. Two of them. Oh, God. Two of the three died of two different types of cancers. Oh, that's when you know you're old. Yeah. Speaking of somebody else who's dead, Roger Ebert (laughs) is next up. He gave it two and a half stars. He writes, if there were no vampires in Twilight, it would be a thin-blooded teenage romance about two good-looking kids who want each other so much because they want each other so much. Sometimes that's all it's about, isn't it? They're in love with being in love. In Twilight, however, they have a seductive disagreement about whether he should kill her. She's like, I don't especially want to die, but if that's what it takes, count me in. Why do girls always prefer the distant, aloof, handsome, dangerous dudes instead of cheerful chaps like me? Oh, wow. Was Roger Ebert like a nice guy incel? Beta cuck? A little... How dare you? I know. That was so blasphemous. I'm sorry, Raj. <laughs> he is tossing in his grave. Beta. <laughs> Such a hard. I'm sorry. I love Roger Ebert. Oh, my God. I feel like I said a bad word. <laughs> Moving on to our Amazon review. Okay. Very tongue-in-cheek, this review, which I appreciated. This movie has the most ingenious premise ever put on film. What if an ordinary, not-too-interesting girl moved to a dreary town, became the most talked-about girl at school for no reason, and is someone who a vampire falls in love with? Again, for no reason. But hopefully the movie looks good, right? It has the color palette of a dead body that has washed up from a river. <laughs> My, my wow, spot on. My favorite character was Bella's dad because he looked so appropriately angry that he had to star in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Who is he? No name, just Amazon reviewer. That's badass. Yeah, that's dangerous and aloof. Yeah, wow. He's like, don't even search for my name. I'm too dangerous. Like, get away from me. I yeah. mean, nothing that they said is wrong. I don't think that like Bella 
There's nothing interesting about her. Everyone else is really basic. Does being aloof and withdrawn automatically make you interesting? Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) historically, yes. Like you said, you know, there was a time where we all thought it was cool to just act like we didn't give a shit about anything. Yes. And now we're like, that's not that cool. Back then, though, it was very cool. I don't want this to be what this is, but Bella is just super hot and she's the new girl. Like, of course. Is she that hot? Like, she's pretty. Maybe it's just like the nature of it's a small town, a small school. So like anytime a new person comes, they're talk of the town. I grapple with the fact that she's like so fascinating. Well, he can't read her mind, I guess. That's even another message of like poor communication equals mystery equals sexy. (laughs) Yes. Withhold all your thoughts and feelings. I just can't read you and therefore I'm not. <laughs> right. Sorry. All right, let's dive on into the plot. Great. So we start with, uh, we've got some narration that happens sort of here and there throughout this movie. Not like super consistently, but just like when it's convenient. Yeah, which really confused me because every time it got reintroduced, I was like, oh, right. It is the laziest form of screenwriting. <laughs> um, and it comes a lot when you're adapting a book into a movie because there's just certain things that you, it's easier. It's just easier to be like, I'm just going to have somebody read out this line from the book to sort of like set the scene or wrap something up. When you don't have a lot of time too, it's like when Bella could just say the way she's feeling instead of showing it in like an interesting way. And if no one cares, then yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. First, we're like in the woods. We see this chase between a doe and like a blurry figure and then it eventually gets caught. So, I mean, it becomes clear it is a person stalking a deer in the woods. Then it's Case Stu talking about how she's leaving Phoenix. Her mom, who's remarried to a pro athlete, wants to hit the road with him. And so she's decided to leave Phoenix and go stay with her dad in Forks, Washington. You know, she's like, I'll miss the heat and the sunshine as they're like zooming in on her face. And she is so fucking pale. Like she looks like Ashen. the ghost of a Victorian bride. Yeah, she's translucent. Just because you're hugging a cactus right now right, doesn't that's mean true. you live yeah. in Phoenix. That's true. I mean, the vampires, I understand why they look. First of all, you could spot those vampires from a mile away. but Very obvious vampires. But also everyone. I mean, I guess it's because they live in Forks. The reason why the vampires live there is because this place, that is a real place. Forks, Washington is like one of the rainiest places in the country. So very overcast. However, the movie itself was filmed in Portland, Oregon. But yeah, so she... She takes her cactus into the car. We have we have a montage where she's like on a plane, whatever. Her dad, Charlie, who is probably one of my favorite characters in this movie. Yeah, he's like a real person. Yeah, he's like a real person. Yeah. It's clear that they have a little like, you know, she hasn't really been back to visit much since she was little. They have kind of like an awkward, strained relationship. To the point where I thought that it might be like her uncle or something like that. It's clearly not like a father-daughter usual relationship. No, but it is kind of this like endearing thing where like you get little bits and pieces of like he's been talking about her coming nonstop Mm -hmm. to his friends. He's very excited to have her and it's more so like he doesn't really know how to communicate well with a teenage daughter but he is trying his best. He's just kind of fumbly about it. Yeah, he's very endearing. They like roll up to the house and she's still holding this cactus so I'm like (laughs) did she fly with this cactus? Yeah. I wrote emotional support cactus (laughs) question mark. (laughs) It's got a little harness on it. A vest. Yeah. Do not pet. (laughs) Yeah. 
it's got to be kind of a weird scenario where just like you uproot your whole life in the middle of a school year because your mom's dating a hot baseball player and wants to tour with him. A minor league baseball player too. Right. It's like when you meet someone as special as a minor league baseball player, you got to hold on and you just got to ride that thing out. <laughs> you got to move to Jacksonville, stat, to be with him. I mean, you're going to be living the life in Durham and all these beautiful places. <laughs> you should uproot her in the middle of her junior year. Yeah. Who cares if she's just about to graduate? The most pivotal year of high school. So you can slide down on that baseball bat. <laughs> Get that AA. <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. Billy and Jacob pull up to the house. So Billy is, first of all, Charlie's best friend. He is the head of the council of their tribe. So this was an actual, I'm sorry, I might butcher the pronunciation, but I'm, I am trying my best. So the Kiete tribe, it is a real First Nation people who actually live in that same area of Washington where the story is set. They don't have any actual wolf myths about them, but some of them have expressed how on happy they were with the way their culture was portrayed in the film. Shocking. I wanted to know one thing. Is Taylor Lautner Native American? I will give them this. Every actor chosen to be a wolf had to prove their native descent. Okay, so I just read he has distant Native American ancestry. That makes me happy. Yeah, right. I'm glad about that. They're like, all of you need to be actual Native Americans, except for the star that we cast. <laughs> right, except for the one we need to be really good looking. Billy and Jacob pull up. We meet Jacob for the first time, and they're kind of like, hey, remember me, Bella? We used to play when we were kids. But now she's coming into her junior year of high school. New kid knows nobody with her janky truck. And of course, everyone is super judgmental of that. Yeah, they're jerks. She's on campus for literally three seconds. And we meet this kid, Eric, who's like, hey, what's up? I'm the eyes and ears of this place. This is high school. He's like, I'm going to do a whole feature on you. And the popular kids instantly gravitate towards her and are just like, you're in our crew now, Bella. And she's like, oh, I can't, I don't know. It's like concentrated Kristen Stewart exhaling and looking down and like half smiling. <laughs> I'm totally powerless. I have a huge crush on Kristen Stewart. So really? everything she does is like really cute to me. Yeah. Every little thing she does. I hear Stingworth <laughs> does right. music for this movie. <laughs> well, he was going to. And then he got too mad. Yeah, then they weren't environmentally <laughs> conscious enough. If you don't get that joke, listen back to our episode on Emperor's New Groove. That's on you. They like go to lunch and all the boys are kind of like fighting for her attention. And Anna Kendrick says something kind of shitty like, you're like the shiny new toy. Right. Then we meet the Cullens for the first time. And they're like walking into the cafeteria in slow motion. They're like chalk white. This was my note. These motherfuckers look like vampires. And they don't look high school aged. No, no. At really. all. Yeah. One thing that I don't remember knowing or hearing and hearing it this time was like, oh, you couldn't have like smoothed that out a little bit was they walk in and one of the girls is explaining to her who they are and it's like Dr. and Mrs. Cullen they basically have like adopted a bunch of foster kids except now they're all dating each other oh yeah I don't remember that that's how they phrased it like obviously I know they're in the same family and I know that they're coupled up but that's really fucking weird to like make that known at school that like we're all brothers and sisters and we have sex <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah right it's not even a speed bump they're all foster brothers and sisters who fell in love tales <laughs> like, old time they're not even in a band like they just <laughs> i don't know we have rosalie and emmett we have alice and jasper 
And then finally, Edward walks in. She's just immediately eyes locked on him, staring him down. Robert Pattinson is like really hot, right? Are you asking from the female's perspective? Yes. Or anyone who would be attracted. Yeah. He's like super hot for 2008. Sure. Okay. Got it. You know what I mean? Like the kind of that hair and granted, clearly very pale and strange. Just like a My Cup Girl Romance member or something. Yes. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Rolled in flower. And (laughs) the broody thing is obviously hot. It's the intensity. It really is all about the intensity. Bella walks into biology and she walks in. A lot of slow motion in this movie too. She's standing in front of a fan that's lowering her hair and I guess her scent over into the direction of Edward. And he just straight up looks like he's going to vomit everywhere. I will say like for somebody who's been doing this and hiding it for a century, he's not that good at hiding it. Is it performative too? Like is he already trying to make her think that he doesn't like her. I think he's just trying to not eat her in class. You know, there are just a lot of times in this movie where I'm like, you could have hid this better. Yeah, well, how old is he? 108? He's been doing this for- A while now. Edward doesn't act like he's 108 in any way. He acts like he's 17. Which I guess at the same time, like he hasn't gone through the things that really mature a person. Like he's just been continuously going to high school. Why are they going to high school? I don't know. <laughs> Why are they continuously going to high school? What are they like scared that they're going to be truants? Spend your time trying to cure cancer. Right. There's a really fucking good series of books that they just turned into an amazing fucking series and it's called Discovery of Witches. It's like a grown-up, more historical version of Twilight and like just really fucking smart. And even the vampires in that like if they were turned young, they're in labs studying the science of right. the genes mutations in creatures. They're not just repeating fucking junior year. Well, okay. So now is another thing I was thinking of. Like if they don't sleep, I couldn't get it through my brain that they don't need to sleep. I kept being like, well, isn't he tired? No, he's not no, tired. No, he's not tired. He doesn't need to sleep. Or eat food. Those two things are like two of the best parts of living. Right. That sucks. Except going to high school, I guess. Over, over, and, and, over, over and over. God, over. find something better to do. He is just like, not hiding it well that she is putting off a stank and (laughs) she smells very strong and also he can't read her mind so he's like very put off and she's just like what the fuck is wrong with this guy (laughs) right yeah do i smell bad does he hate me like what a dick he is a jerk nothing gets under your skin quite like somebody who is hot and doesn't like you and you don't know why and also she's a new person in town she's just trying to find a friend you jerk is she like she already has a friend group in like five minutes and she's like um yeah i don't know no maybe she's not <laughs> good point throughout we're having these scenes where we cut to these crazy chase scenes where like people are running away from something that we don't see and then a factory worker who gets killed by these three shadowy figures you know we have a guy on his boat. Basically, we learn that there are three vampires that are terrorizing the town. Constant reports of animal attacks that Charlie is having to deal with. And we see Bella is like standing by her truck and Edward is across the parking lot staring brutally at her. And then this van spins out on the ice and is like basically about to smush her. And in two seconds, Edward is there and he's stopped the van with his hands, leaves a huge dent in it. So she's just like, what the fuck is up with this guy? I think that these scenes... Some of them come off really hokey, like when they're climbing trees. But some of it looks kind of cool. Like him stopping that truck. This is, yeah, that's cool. Again, like 
really bad at hiding that you're a vampire. <laughs> right. But he can't let her die, I guess. She's in the hospital and she sees him at the hospital because Edward's dad, Dr. Colin, is there. She confronts him about it. And this is where I'm like, ooh, we're teaching naughty lessons here because he is super gaslighty. Literally like, you hit your head. That's not what happened. And she's like, I know what I saw. And he's basically lying to her and then totally switches gears to like, no one's going to believe you. He also stopped the car. So something clearly up like we already know something so yeah so she's like really trying to put these pieces together they go on a field trip to like a compost greenery yeah or I something know what that was i mean they're making like plant juice from compost that is going to help plants grow it seems really cool yeah whatever and edward's all up in her business nosy asking her questions already coming off really possessive but also like still kind of rude so obviously a total dream but of course yeah (laughs) negging all over the place it's just like we shouldn't be friends he keeps approaching her like he keeps coming up to her and then being like we shouldn't be friends and it's like then stop talking to her like just don't act like she exists I hated that is that chalked up to him being a vampire and sometimes he's really hungry and sometimes he's not (laughs) He's clearly super intrigued by her because he can't read her mind. I guess it's kind of driving him crazy. So like he has to ask her questions, I guess, to know things. It's just like, okay, if you're going to go for it, go for it. But don't keep walking up to her and being like, we should stay away from each other. Like, okay, that's not going to work. Yeah, and that's the worst part about it. It's like he's so volatile. And then every time that he comes to her, it's like the subtext is like, you're so naive because we can't be together. Like, you don't understand. All right, man. That seems like some kind of fucked up reverse psychology because tell anybody that. And they're like, yeah, we should. Here's how to get a girl to want to stay away from you. Approach her constantly, very emphatically, telling her how much you should be together. (laughs) Be really, really extra. And then she will not. She will not try to be with you. But avoid her, like intrigue her just enough and then push her away and then like stare at her constantly. Like That'll do it. Yeah. That's the recipe. Those stares are uncomfortable. Is that because he's a vampire too? Like I can never tell whether... He's acting a certain way because he's a vampire or he's just like a fucking weirdo. Both. I think I also think like a lot of it was looking at her trying to read her mind and not being able to. Oh, yeah, right. She finally agrees to like do something social. She goes with the crew to La Push Beach, which is in the jurisdiction of the native tribe. She sees Jacob there and this is when they like kind of have a talk and he gives her the background about the tribe and the descendants from wolves and how the Collins are apparently descended from this kind of monster. But basically they have an agreement where they will be at peace with each other as long as they like stay off of each other's land. I thought they moved towns all the time. Oh yeah, she says to Jacob, she's like, I thought they just moved here. And he goes, or moved back. Years and years later when everyone can forget about who they are. Why would you move back to the place where all the werewolves are? Because their house is so sick. Their house is sick. Honestly, (laughs) I totally get it. That house is so sick. And there are also probably only so many places you can go as a vampire where like you're never going to be in direct sunlight. Oh, that's true. It's coveted. At that point, then I'm like, I'm sorry, werewolves. Like, do you hate the sun? Because you could go to Arizona. Oh, so I guess we should just ask these Native Americans to move off their land. Busted. Yeah, that's true. Get out of here, werewolves. Classic white guy. Jeez. I need to check myself for a second. 
They're like, this is our ancestral Oof. land, so no. <laughs> Anywho, this kind of gets the gears turning in Bella's brain. She's like starting to do her research on this history of Jacob's tribe, all this folklore. And the girls are going into town to go prom dress shopping. So she's like, mm-hmm. let me take this opportunity to go with them so I can hit this bookshop. They're like prom dress shopping. She literally says to them, I don't know why she wasn't just like, oh, I'll head into town with you and then check out this bookshop because she's in the store with them and they're like trying on dresses. And they're like, Bella, what do you think? Like trying to bond with her. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I guess like they're all fine. And they're like, you hate this, clearly. Why that, did you right. come with us? Yeah, you're not interesting. You're just a bad friend. Just like you said, just say, oh, I'll, I'll tag along and go to the bookstore. Another thing of just not a great lesson of blowing off friends for dudes. And Yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah. She goes to check out this bookshop and it's like she comes out and it's getting kind of dark and she gets attacked by this group of fraternity bros is what it seems like. Of course, Edward just pulls up in his car, screeching into the parking lot and whisks her away. She ends up ditching her friends and having dinner with Edward. Yeah, I feel like if there's any young women in the audience who have not yet fallen for him, they at this point, they've got to. Like, yeah. It's such a romantic mm-hmm. gesture, him like sticking up and, and also, yeah, weirdly growling is also kind of part of it. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, whoa, this animal. It's that and then it's also like his kind of old-fashioned sensibilities. Like he is still kind of like a gentleman. He lived when chivalry was a thing. Yeah. Right. The what? When what? <laughs> it was an old uh, uh, war general. Folklore. Descended from wolves. <laughs> so they have this very sexually charged dinner. <laughs> She's just pressing him for information. He's just like, I feel very protective over you. I could hear what those low lives were thinking. Oops. Reveals he can read minds. Like again, really bad at hiding this. You don't want her to know, but you clearly do. To the point where I I really feel like he's just slipping up on purpose. He knows he's going to tell her. It's like the person that's like, yeah, I don't really like to talk about my past. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask me about uh, what happened last week. Right. And they're like, okay. mm, fine. <laughs> yeah. And also like, okay. <laughs> okay. So you can read minds. Then on rest <laughs> I can see the moment that clicks for you. <laughs> <laughs> As the words are coming out. Ooh, Shania. So you can read minds. It's like the buck would never stop there to be like, well, let me just reveal to you that I can read minds. Right. It's like, but but that's all. But that's all I'm going to reveal. Like, right. uh, no, what? That's no. Kind of love. This is like one of the moments of levity in this where he's like going around the room and guessing what everybody's mm-hmm. thinking about. And he's like, money, sex. Yeah money, sex, and he just goes to this hippie looking guy and it's like, cats. Yeah. <laughs> it's like good a really line. out of place moment of levity in this movie where everything's really intense. It's a really funny part. But he's just like, I don't have the strength to stay away from you anymore. And I wrote, fuck, that's hot. <laughs> yeah, of course. But then there's like, I literally thought at one point that I had rewound the movie because he says that in some form or another gotta be 15 times or something like that. It's a lot of that. It's like a reverse cock tease. Like it's being like, I really want us to take it to the next step. And then being like, but no, my virginity. Like this whole movie is kind of like a, Ebert writes about it a lot in his review where it's just like a guy who is trying to maintain his virginity and save himself and a girl who just really wants him and wants to go all the way and him like fighting his inner demons and trying to maintain control, but like ultimately not doing a very good job. Right. So I was trying to figure out when we were going to talk about this, because this is the thing, right? This is the take of this movie. A lot of people Mm -hmm. think it's about celibacy 
and waiting for the right one with like religious undertones. Right, because she's basically Eve and all the imagery around this book is a red apple. But then I feel like as people's takes grew more nuanced and they were watching this movie, I feel like people start to be like, there wasn't a celibacy craze. What it is, is just like constant foreplay edging. It, I feel like it's giving it too much credit, moral credit for that. It's not that. It's just a no, huge- No, it's the buildup. And that, as many yeah. of us know, it's like the hottest part of anything. It's the moment before. Right. It's like right. the buildup to the thing. Like we've all had that insane electricity with a person. And then as soon as the sex is done, you're like, oh, I feel nothing now. And your bed is smashed into a million pieces. That's another <laughs> thing I know from the, uh, <laughs> I only know a handful of things Who about told the next you? movies. Yeah. They call me smash it up jazzy. <laughs> they call me wreck it Ralph. I hope you have bed insurance. <laughs> I have a friend. I won't name her. I hope she's listening right now because Twilight is something we've been very passionate about together over the many years of our friendship. And she is like notorious for breaking beds. So shout out to you, girl. <laughs> you know who you are. How many Edwards did you find? That's awesome. Good for you, man. It's not always Edward. Sometimes it's just a feisty lady. <laughs> It's the Eve. Come to destroy your Garden of Eden. (laughs) Smash it up. Either you're a vampire or you took a moderate (laughs) amount of Adderall. Or you like drank a couple Four Locos. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. 2008. We are like prime years away. Yeah, we are prime for Four Locos. territory. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. Talk about the end of the Garden of Eden. Right. We got Twilight and then Four Loco. We went wild after that. God, I love Four Loco. (laughs) Such a great time. I've never heard a story that started with we were drinking Four Locos and didn't end in something insane. I agree. The period of time when Four Locos were legal, I really only feel like it was like a three or four month stretch. It was like the craziest time in my whole life. You'd just yeah. go to a liquor store and you wouldn't even need to ask or people. Or like a 7-Eleven. Right. Well, if we were in Delaware, so they couldn't <laughs> do that. But Okay. Um, got it. I grew up, as we know, in Florida. And- well, that's apparently the reason why they have the ounces the way they do is to sell in gas stations it's 0.5 ounces less than the absolute maximum right so you can stock up on four loco and a bunch of boner pills and have the time of your and life go drive your truck <laughs> four loco rest in power i would love if anyone listening would send us in their four loco stories that would be great oh that'd be great yeah anyway this is a very revealing dinner she sees him at school and basically just walks past him and into the woods so i guess they're just skipping school today they just wander into the woods and she like is finally going to call him out and this is like of course, sort of like the most famous This is scene. the scene, yeah. yeah. where she's like, I know what you are. Your skin is cold. Your blah, blah, blah. Your eyes change color. You know, and then it's like, how old are you? 17. How long have you been 17? A while. It's like, I know what you are. And he's like, say it out loud. Ugh. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> I have a stomach ache. <laughs> a flaccid peepee. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, are you afraid? And she's like, no. This is also like a big issue that people take with this movie where it's like, this is a prime example of when somebody tells you who they are, believe them, right? Mm -hmm. In any instance. But in this case, he's just like, I'm a monster. I want to eat you. I'm going to eat you. Like, (laughs) I, (laughs) I couldn't not. I have killed people. I'm a murderer. I'm the most dangerous predator. You could never fight me off. I could literally kill you right now. 
she's just like, I don't care. It's like, you don't care that he killed people? You don't care that he's tempted to kill you right now? Like, this is such a classic symptom of women wanting to fix men, except this is just yeah, like a- to the, the nth, nth degree. degree. Ooh, no jinx. Does that mean I can't talk for the rest of the podcast? No, no, jinx would be. <laughs> oh, you said no, no I'm jinx. Just, I just want to clear the air. So you want to let me know us. that I'm allowed to keep talking? Yeah, because otherwise you have to take over the rest of this episode on, on Twilight. Two more lines of notes. That Are it, you so. kidding me? You're like Jazz will handle it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's still kind of like trying to convince her that he's a monster, and it's just like, are you afraid? And she's like, no. He's like, you should be. And he grabs her on his back and runs up the mountain. She's like, where are we going? And he's like, to the sunlight, so you can see what I am. In any other scary movie, it would be like, this is where he takes his whole face off, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, a, right. but he's like, this is what I am, this monster. And it's like, you're sparkly. You got a twinkly face. A sparkle pony. It's cute. Yeah, the cutest thing in the world. I have to say, I know they have to do this because I know that it's in the book. I don't know whether there's a right way to do this, but holy hell, it is so lame. <laughs> I can't get over it. I mean, he's beautiful. Like he's, he's beautiful. So I'm like, is this part of vampire lore or is it just like we are trying to dispel other myths of vampires cannot ever be awake in the daytime, you know, just to make the rest of this more feasible? Well, I was thinking like maybe, you know, if you're going to do like a vampire book or movie, you don't want to just like play by all the rules. So people could be like, well, it's kind of like a Meyer vampire. Like it's that thing where it's like her take on it is they sparkle. The the way that he, which I never had really picked up on this before, where she's like, yeah, you're beautiful. But the way that he justifies it is like, I am basically designed to lure you in so I can kill you. I like that. That's cool. I'm yeah. beautiful. Look at me. Like all of us are like completely enchanting beings and it's all part of our predatory skill. Well, then this is super manipulative because he's pretending like that he's going to show her something creepy and he knows that she's going to be attracted to it. Right. Just because you tell somebody like, this is just a beautiful facade. It's like, well, you're not less hot just because I know that it's for a reason. I just feel like he wanted to spark in front of her. Then we get the other famous line from this where ugh, and then it, it's also like another one of these things where it's like in Romeo and Juliet and also like I just saw the new West Side Story where like again we used to really soak up these kind of intense love stories of teenagers that have known each other for all of five minutes but now it just seems so lame. He, he's just like I've waited so long for you and he says so the lion fell in love with the lamb and she says what a stupid lamb and he says what a sick masochistic lion Classic story of teenagers in love after a week and willing to risk their lives for each other. Fucking hormones. That's a good call about like West Side Story and things like that. Because for some stories, you're like, they can't know each other for six months. It's not really how a story works. But for this, I'm constantly aware of how little they've known each other. Or know about each other. About one another. It doesn't seem romantic. It seems foolish and childish. And he's 108 years old. Right. It doesn't seem like they know each other. They just, like Ebert said, they love each other because they do and they love being in love. It's just like, this is the one thing they share is like an intense attraction, the drama around it, you know, I I guess is arousing but this is why we all have really unrealistic expectations of what true love and partnership is supposed to look like because we were all raised on movies like this where it's like supposed to seem like this really intense 
you know, like I need to have you now kind of feeling. And then you grow up and you have a long-term relationship and you're like, yeah, it doesn't feel like that every day, but it also doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. That's not sustainable. Yeah. It's also like everything else is more complicated in a really great way. This is so simple and I know why that's attractive. I mean, is it that simple? <laughs> How much more simple can it be? It's like- One of them's not a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Just for starters. Right, right. I, I'm, just, I'm just like a loss for words. Mike dropping all over this episode. <laughs> yeah, just defending just, this movie to the death. I don't have any room. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, they're not dealing with the complexities of real life. They're dealing with the complexities of like, one of us is a vampire and now another vampire is trying to kill you and your whole family. Like complications for sure. But also like- That's complicated. The complications of just like- I've got to see your fucking face every single day of my life. I have to smell your farts. The things that are like the real complications in a relationship. It's like in Good Will Hunting. I didn't know that somehow this was going to make it to Good Will Hunting, but here we are. This is complicated in the way that like there's a bunch of other fucking vampires that are going to kill us. It's not complicated in the way that they feel about one another. It's very animalistic. Primal, basically. Right. It's primal. It's binary. You're the absolute one for me. In Good Will Hunting... You know, that part where he's talking about the little idiosyncrasies about his his wife and all the, you know, that's where it's really beautiful and complicated. But this is like... Is it because I said fart? Is that no, why actually, it yeah, but <laughs> It's funny, no. Did you know that that scene was uh, ad-lib? Improvised. Yeah. Yes. Ugh, I love it so Me much. Me too. Anyway, so I wrote very Romeo and Juliet, except one of them is already dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, are they dead? They are dead, right? Technically, he's not alive, I guess. So dead. So dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not much room for interpretation there. <sighs> well, I was just trying to think like what constitutes as alive and dead if you're still animated and it's like the undead is typically like zombies, but you wouldn't call them alive. I agree. Immortal. Yeah. Does immortal make you alive? I guess that, um, uh, yeah, I guess. Because right. you're not dead because you can't die. What, it, what does it mean to but be alive, man? An alive vampire because you can also kill a vampire. There's got to be some middle ground there. So they're just like, all right, we're giving into this thing. We're going to do it. They go public at school. And of course, everyone is shook. They're just like, wow, of course, she was special enough. <laughs> we learned that Carlisle, Dr. Cullen, built this family by rescuing humans who were dying and turning them into vampires. We learned that they're the vegetarian version. They only drink animal blood. Oh, we're at the house right now, right? Yeah. So Edward officially takes Bella to the Cullen house. For a very uncomfortable dinner sesh. Yeah. Well, like uncomfortable one because they're all making dinner and none of them eat. Right. Which is very uncomfortable. And Bella doesn't even want to eat. In my mind, I'm like, that's so rude. Why would you eat before you go to somebody else's house for dinner? But in her mind, she's like, I probably won't eat because they don't eat food. That explanation totally checks out for me. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. It makes sense. But she would have eaten it anyway to be polite once she walked in there but Rosalie also just like fucking hates her she's just like this is putting all of us in a compromising position I hate this and I just love that like they walk in and they're like, we're preparing an Italian feast for you. And Edward's like, first of all, like way to throw her under the bus. He's like, she already ate. Yeah, like, right. She's like, oh, I want to just eat it. Fucking. <laughs> but so then like 
Rosalie's holding like a glass salad bowl and she just crushes it in her fingers and just smashes it. I was thinking that was an overreaction. <laughs> like that's the last straw. It's like the first straw. It's, you made the salad. Like, okay. <laughs> somebody's like frying prosciutto, you know, like somebody's taking on way more intense tasks than you putting some romaine in a bowl. And now we don't have the salad bowl. It's like all this work for nothing. It's not like I don't have. You're not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. You can go and. And gl- super glue that bowl together. It's not like I'm <laughs> wasting time. You could have used, yeah, something to do probably. But she's really pissed. And we have a glass salad now. I have to say, like, I know that we're supposed to think that Rosalie is just like a downer. I, I'm kind of like, yeah, Edward is putting them in danger. Yeah, and putting Bella in danger. Right, that's a good point. Like, if I was in a family of vampires, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing with this human? This is fucking dumb. Like, not only would she potentially be in trouble with other vampires, but, like, you could also lose control and eat her or whatever. Like, it's just a a bad situation all around. The rest of the family doesn't seem to care because Alice can see into the future and has already sort of seen Bella as part of their family. So Alice has visions. There's a vision of what's going to happen. If you deviate from any course, that vision will change. Doesn't that mean that she is just like everyone else? Okay, I have a vision. Next week, you are going to go to the deli. If you deviate in any way from the course that I've set out in my mind, then it won't come true. This only seems like a way to be a loophole to have it be like Edward being like, yeah, but you can change the future. Like there's still time for us to decide, you know, whether or not I'm actually going to turn you or not. Like, it doesn't have to be your future. Yeah, but also that would that would assume that you know the steps that it would need to take to get to that vision. Right. Which you, you don't. You could lead yourself into it by thinking that you're trying to skirt it. Right. There is one vision and it's really fucking important and it doesn't come to pass but it's what could come to pass based on a decision that somebody makes in a way that literally made me and everyone else in the theater scream and if you are a twilight person you know exactly what i'm talking about but i'm not gonna ruin it for you again i'm not gonna ruin it for you does it matter that i'm never gonna see these movies yes you are (laughs) okay Next week on Millennial Movie Club. Next, I mean, there's nothing that pivotal in this scene, but I just have to note because I never knew this until this watch and not because I looked it up. She's back at the diner with her dad. The waitress is like, here's your whatever. Here's your salad, Stephanie. And like it was Stephanie Meyer sitting at the counter writing on her laptop. Oh, yeah. She makes a couple little appearances in this franchise. Then we're like in Bella's room, come to find out he's been like in her room watching her sleep like a fucking weirdo. Yeah, they just casually say that. He was watching her sleep even before they were talking. And she does not seem perturbed by this at all. No, nonplussed. And he's like, I want to try something. Don't move. And he's like basically trying to kiss her, I guess, without eating her. (laughs) But this, I was just thinking like, I don't think we have a ton of scenes like this where there's just silent sexual tension building up to one kiss, but it is like, oh, like it's just so much tension, but it's totally silent. Makes you feel things in your body. I mean, that's got to be the saving grace of this movie. Like that's real. Like there, I mean, I know they like dated. There's some serious. Yeah. Oh my God. We haven't even talked about that yet. The fact that they had dated, which obviously is like probably a huge part of why also these movies did so well. Not that they couldn't have been good actors, but like there is clear chemistry between them. Fun fact, literally right after their chemistry test, (laughs) their chemistry test, not like an actual chemistry test, but their biology test, just like their screen test together. The director immediately warned Robert Pattinson against dating Kristen Stewart. 
like right after their audition. Oh, so yeah, here's a quote from the director. I remember I told Rob separately. I went, listen, man, you got to remember that she's under 18 and in our country, you can get in trouble. And he was like, okay, okay, geez, calm down. And it was funny because they were both pretty shy and kind of a little bit nervous and awkward, but you could see really quickly that they were like immediately vibing off each other. Are they like still boys or they like have hurt feelings? I think they're in a good place now. There's like, there's no bad blood between them now, but they dated from 2008 to 2012. And yeah, I guess she opened up recently about it on the Howard Stern show. Kristen Stewart did. And the one thing that I don't love, though, was that she had them do their chemistry read at her home on her bed because she wanted to just see their chemistry. And she she said, I know you just met, but I need you to do this scene. We're going to do it in my bedroom on the bed and you're really going to kiss. That's a perfect example of everything that's wrong with Hollywood. It's like, I know this is going to make you uncomfortable, but you're going to do it anyway if you want this part. And if she were a man, I feel like we'd be talking about this more. <laughs> yes, I agree. I 100% agree. But I guess that did it. That kiss was the thing that got him the part, made this the movie that it is. Yeah, changed the trajectories of both their lives forever. That doesn't mean like ends justify the means type of thing. Like it's still fucking weird. Right. You could have had them do a chemistry read in a studio. But anyway, Bella finally tells Charlie that she's dating him and she's like, he's here. He wants to meet you. And I just love that Charlie's like leaning a rifle and he's just like, bring him in. (laughs) Just like, God, I love this man. Yeah, he's great. And Edward is being like, it would be being a polite man in the 30s. (laughs) The way that he, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, sir. Like, I'll have her home at a reasonable hour. Like, I'll take good care of her. We'll go to see a talkie and then uh, maybe we'll get a a malt afterwards. We'll go for a walk to the gazebo. Yeah. (laughs) So then we have like, of course, another totally epic scene, which is the vampires playing baseball because vampires love baseball, as we know. Love it. And that like famous, like Alice's like high kick pitch. Like they thought this was going to be so cute. (laughs) Like where it's like, but why do you have to play baseball in the dark when it's raining? It's like, oh, you'll see it's like because they could hit it so hard that it sounds like thunder (laughs) we just needed an excuse to hear the song super massive black hole yes which fair enough but the game is broken up by the three vampires who have been terrorizing the town there's victoria and her mate james and then laurent Basically, like, fear is confirmed. They catch on that Bella is human. And James is apparently this, like, avid hunter. Like, once he gets the scent of something, he's not going to rest until he gets it. This girl must smell like a Yankee candle. (laughs) She smells like a Cracker Barrel. Oh, even better, like a Subway. Not like the MTA, but, like, when you walk by a Subway sandwiches and you can, like, smell the fake bread. Yeah, that's my personal heaven. So, of course, they're just like, well, fuck. He's going to hunt you down. He's not going to stop until he gets you or we kill him. It's like, you really fucking did it, man. Jesus, you knew this was going to happen. Now we're at war with these other vampires. Like, we were living peacefully. Ugh, I hate this. Basically, like... He's like, we have to get out of here. We have to hide you. And she's like, but my dad's in danger. Like he's going to trace my scent back to our house. Like I don't want to put my dad in danger. So in order to like kind of take off, she basically has to kind of just oh, break yeah. her dad's right. heart. She just acts like her and Edward got into a fight. And then she says to her dad the exact thing that her mom said when she left him. And she's like, that's the only way he would have let me leave. Fucking Charlie's the best part of this. There isn't one other way to do that besides just shattering your dad's heart. Just call him from your cell phone and be like, I can't explain. I mean, it's also like not the average. He's the chief of police. So I guess like if he's going to come after you, he's going to come after you. That's true. She had to do something so that he wouldn't. He's got the whole weight of fork (laughs) behind him or whatever the fuck it is. Singular. Forks. (laughs) Alice and Jasper take her to Phoenix. 
James, of course, catches on. Fun fact, the actor who plays James was originally cast as Emmett, and he actually asked them if he could be recast mm. as James, which I'm kind of like, why would you do that? Like, well, now you're in one of the movies as a yeah. big part, and then you get killed at the end, and you could have been in the entire series. Oh, good point. Wow, he really fucked up. Yeah, unless he was like, I want no part of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Maybe he was just like, I'm I'm so clearly much better at this other thing. I don't want to be ridiculed. And he's a pretty good bad guy. Alice has a vision that James is in the ballet studio that Bella went to growing up. Bella gets a call on her old ass Nokia phone from her mom's house. And it's like her mom's voice being like, Bella, Bella, are you there? And then James comes on and is basically is like, I have your mom ditch the Collins and meet me at this dance studio. She goes to the dance studio. Turns out he never had her mother. It was just an old videotape. It's also like, you know, your mom's not home. The whole reason that you're not in Phoenix is because she's in fucking podunk baseball town with her boyfriend. Right. And what does her mom say in the recording? Is it something that would ever be in a recording? No. And that's also something that bugged me is like, it's like, Bella, Bella, where are you? Bella, where are you? Like, she sounds really scared. And then she opens this closet and she sees the home video playing. And it's like her and her mom before a dance recital. And it's like, has nothing... What are the odds? How many videotapes did that guy have to go through? Right, that seems like a very tedious. Clip? I mean, as two people who work with a lot of audio and video, truly combing through. Like, I wonder if this girl has any home movies that have any clips of her mom. <laughs> Sounding worried or calling out her name in a worried way, spanning from 1990 to <laughs> 2004. I guess they don't sleep, so. They don't sleep. Yeah, that's what they do. This is what makes you such an insane predator. He's like, I will go to any length. <laughs> I will look through all your memorabilia. I'm like a super creep. I mean, it's fitting. They're like in the Pacific Northwest. He's like, I like to know like where my food comes from. Like was it grass <laughs> right, right, Yeah. Does she have like a good upbringing? <laughs> like was she social, free range? Right, like, right. Non-GMO. So he's just like, gotcha, bitch. And he's like got the video, old videotape and he's like kind of fucking with her and filming her and it's like tell Edward to avenge you tell him and she's like no no Edward and he just grabs her leg and just like crunches her bones apart that sound was so fucked up it was cool yeah and she's just screaming in pain and then lo and behold Edward flies in they have this epic battle James bites her wrist though and so like the venom is starting to infect her they keep fighting there's like a part where he kind of like rips his throat out with his teeth. Edward mm-hmm. does. And apparently they used like melted cheese to create that effect. Oh, nice. <laughs> the rest of the Collins show up. They grab James. They rip his head off and burn him, which is, of course, as we all know, the only way you can kill a vampire. And basically they have to like decide in this moment whether or not they're going to let her turn into a vampire. And Edward does not want to condemn her to that. So he basically has to suck the venom out of her wrist. You know, he's having trouble stopping. So Controlling himself. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say like his dad is not really... He's just like, Edward, you have to control it. But like he's sucking her dry and he's not doing anything to stop him. The dad's just like, no, control it, Edward. But he's not like, get, you know, like physically removing him from her. This isn't like a practice round where you're going right. to make him get better. You need to get this guy off of her. Off or he's of her. He's going to kill her. I just love that like he's draining her and her physical choice as an actor was to go completely cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's so silly. I wonder if there was any science behind that, but it's just, it's really hard to take it seriously. And him sucking her blood is stupid too. He's like, 
<laughs> like, uh. yeah, it's a lot. We fade out and fade back up and Bella's in a hospital bed and her mom is there. And I guess like the story that we're going with is that she fell down the stairs and out a window. The mom's like, I'll take you home. And she's like, no, I have to stay in Forks. And then Edward's like, you have to go back to Jacksonville so I can't hurt you. And then we have probably like my least favorite acting in this entire film or any film. (laughs) She's just having like a full on conniption where it's clear like she didn't actually have any lines, but they were like, it's like the moments with actors where they're like, just keep going till he interrupts you. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. She didn't finish a single thought. She just has a full on conniption where she's like, what? No, you can't. You just don't. You won't. Don't even. Yeah. You can't. She's built her career off of that. Correct. Though. That exact thing. You can't. Don't. Jeez, you just I can't. can't. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, Jesus, I'll stay. Right. Anyway, she's got a cast on her leg. Now Edward is going to take her to the prom. Charlie is clearly not a fan of Edward anymore for good reason. Mm -mm. People made such a big deal out of this on the internet. They're like, crazy facts you'll never believe about Twilight. And like the first one is like on all of these blogs. It's like, Bella's prom dress was only $20. That's it. Okay. (laughs) That's the fact. I got big she's all that vibes from this scene. Pretty much any prom scene ever is always like her coming down the stairs and her date being like, wow. I just wish they were playing Sixpence, None the Richer. Kiss Kiss me. me. Yeah. He's like, I can't. (laughs) Anyway, they go to the prom and I don't know, Edward's like parking the car or something and Jacob just shows up like out of the woods and is like, my dad paid me 20 bucks to come here and tell you to break up with your boyfriend. I was so confused. What what was that about? He's just like, we'll be watching you. Why did he have to do that? My dad paid me 20 bucks to come here like they didn't need to know that and neither did we unless the shit as if he's not already obsessed with her it's like a my dad want me to tell <laughs> your dad that he can beat him up in a fight like it's right. like which is still an effective insult to somebody jeff levine i wouldn't want him to fight my dad my dad definitely fights dirty i think your dad would win guess we'll find out <laughs> Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Our special live episode, Dad Fight. It's like a fucked up version of Parent Trap. It is an actual Parent Trap. We trap our dads in a fighting ring, and they're not allowed to leave until one of them emerges victorious. And next week we'll be doing Parent Trap. Not what you think. Exactly what it sounds like, though. Yeah, verbatim. Yeah. Two dads come in, one dad comes out. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're at the prom. Prom tonight. I was thinking it. Dude. And there's like 30 kids at a house. It's like their prom, I guess. Small town. Right. Fork shit. Like it's clear that she does not want to be there, but he wants it for her. And they have another very classic scene from this where they're slow dancing in the gazebo together and there's all the string lights and it's very beautiful. Very pretty. The other dancers, like as soon as they get in there, they're like, all right, this isn't our scene. And then they just leave. (laughs) This girl's got a cast and this guy smells like blood. (laughs) He's like, I don't want to end your life. And she's like, I want to be with you forever. So I guess we're at an impasse. And he like totally psychs her out. He's like, right now. And like leans over like he's going to bite her neck. And then he just doesn't. They're kind of tabling it for now, but not for long. And then we kind of pull out and we see that they're being watched from a window. 
And it turns out somehow Victoria is at the prom and she's the vampire whose mate they killed. And so she has vengeance in her eyes. Classic, like, this isn't over kind of energy for the movie. And then that's just like the end of the movie. Well, I, now I got to watch the rest of them. Final thoughts, Daniel. My final thoughts are that this movie wasn't made for me. <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think about it. Like being bitter about a movie that you don't like that wasn't for you is not interesting at all sure yeah this movie checks off absolutely none of my boxes it's nearly (laughs) almost everything i hate about a movie i have to say there are some undeniable parts about this movie that i understand why it is what it is i think that Kristen stewart and robert pattinson i don't think that they do a good job acting but they have undeniable chemistry i think that sometimes this movie like shows its hand for trying to like elicit an emotion from you but who cares they do it Like, and they did it for a whole generation of people who were like, this is the fantasy. And I get it. I get why people like it. I'm going to give this movie two emotional support cactuses. Cacti. Cacti. Damn it. (laughs) I think this movie was, you know, a big part of my, or just the series in general was a big part of my adolescence. I don't think that necessarily makes it good. I think it like captures a lot of those teen hormones and I don't think it sets super great examples about what love is but it's fucking entertaining I do think the other movies are a bit stronger than the first I'm going to give this one five stupid lambs (laughs) mine should have been two sick masochistic lions then well I'm really glad you made me watch this movie though I hope I didn't come off too negative no not at all it everything you're saying is true it's not for everybody and i also think you know whereas like harry potter i feel like that franchise those movies were so magical they could really resonate with people that didn't read the books although the people who read the books had like a stronger attachment whereas i feel like this movie i think certainly falls flatter for people who did not read the book and were not as invested Before we sign off for today, we have been receiving some really lovely reviews. Oh, nice. We could not be more grateful. And as promised, I'm going to read one out. And it's from HB Insane. Can't get enough. Five stars. One part movie geek, one part great improvisers, one part nostalgia. Their chemistry is great. Request The Parent Trap, especially the soundtrack, which I've been listening to lately. Oh, don't you worry, HB Insane. It is on our list. It is coming real soon. It's on like Donkey Kong. I mean, that's coming. Yeah, big time. So thank you so much. It just makes our day. You have no idea. Thank you. If you are listening, if you like what you hear, if you have ideas and requests, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media at Millennial Movie Club or write us a review, leave us a rating. The more support we get, the more we get to do this and create some more fun for us and you. Yeah, I mean, it's super fun for us, so we're just going to do it no matter what, but it would be great if other people <laughs> liked it too. So we're Zero really six. glad. Yeah. Nine, nine episodes of Millennial Movie Podcast. Ah, ah, ah. You sounded like Hitler at the beginning. Nine, <laughs> no. The actual number nine. That's the only other hot vampire I can think of at this time. So Hitler? No. The Count from the Count? Sesame Street. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And on that note, Yeah. Good night. Bye everybody. <laughs> good night. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.